the coolest part, and I think why like breathwork is in this like renaissance phase right now is unlike meditation and some other things of like other types of relaxation techniques is you can feel a real time difference like right away. All right, welcome to our next episode of A Little Higher. I am super excited to introduce our next guest. We have Josh Dunce with us. He is a former Navy Special Operations. He's also an ultramarathon runner and a breathwork coach, more specifically a oxygen advantage coach. And most excitingly, he's my cousin. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Josh. Excited to have you here with us today. We are going to talk about the topic of breathwork and how we can take something that might seem big and scary and apply it, how anyone can take some tools away from today. Yeah, and thanks for having me. Yeah. So I would love to introduce kind of the high-level concept of what breathwork is and maybe, obviously it's been around forever, but where we started to have it um, form what it is now. Sure. I think at like a super high level, breathwork is just a way for humans to be able to control their nervous system and their physiology in real time, just like other practices like meditation or working out. It just happens to be probably the most effective form of nervous system modulation that's available to humans. Cool. I think one of the coolest things about breathwork too is it's something that you always have with you. Like some of the other forms um, of regulating your nervous system or any other of your other systems, like we talk about the endocannabinoid system a lot on this show, breath is always with you. So it's something if you can kind of gain some foundational tools, it's something you can tap into at any time of day or night and have it support you. Uh, and before we kind of dive more into it, I would love to just paint a little bit more of a picture of why you're you know, qualified to even talk about breath work. And it's been a, a fun journey watching you with your former or your existing company, Stasis. Um, you, right before the pandemic, were had this amazing company and concept, and then the pandemic hit and you pivoted hard mm -hmm. um, into breath work. So it was cold plunge tanks, which now everyone Had has a blown cold. Up. Yeah, yeah, everyone has a cold plunge. <laughs> we were definitely tank on design. to something there. Yeah, you were a trendsetter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but COVID really forced you to need to pivot that. And so you pivoted into breathwork um, and got some really amazing contracts with hospitals in the United States. Do you mm -hmm. want to tell a little bit more about that? Yeah, I just, you know, originally kind of got into human performance optimization when I was in the military. And then when I was leaving the military, trying to figure out what was next for me, that's when the idea for Stasis was born. And then, like you said, the pandemic started and the direction of the company shifted from more like human performance, working with athletes and military operators to then working more in the healthcare field and helping people with uh, what we call autonomic reconditioning or respiratory therapy. A lot of chronic diseases and autoimmune diseases are nervous system related. So that's like a very easy step. And like you said, it's something that's available to people. You don't need technology. There are tools that can kind of help 
track and you know from a data right. management standpoint but at the end of the day like we can breathe whenever we want um so Thank it goodness. just yeah <laughs> so that was kind of the direction um that the company went into and yeah we started working um with like a ton of hospitals throughout the country and stuff and I've recently got like walked away from the company and kind of handed off um, it to someone else who's running with it. But yeah, it was. It's... But it's really impressive. I mean, you developed a program around how people with long haul COVID <clears throat> mm-hmm. or other um, chronic illnesses can use breath work as part of their recovery. And I remember you visiting us sometimes and like being on calls with people and like teaching people how to breathe. Something yeah. so. It's something we take for granted, I think, our breath and then like just really learning how to do it. I know I've taken a lot of our conversations and it's been life changing to just be able to do something so simple in a potentially chaotic moment. So Mm -hmm. cool background there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Way to pivot like many of us had to during Mm -hmm. COVID. Um, And so now talk to us about the more inner workings of breath work. What is it doing on a, you know, inside your body level? Yeah, so if we look at the nervous system, you have two main branches, sympathetic, parasympathetic. They're kind of opposite of each other, and they do opposite things. So you can think of the sympathetic nervous system as like the accelerator of the body. So it's preparing the body for fight or flight most Mm -hmm. of the time. And then the parasympathetic is kind of the brake pedal. So slowing everything down, rest and digest is what it's kind of typically um, correlated to, and those two things, um, or, or that autonomic nervous system controls pretty much every major organ and function in our body from heart rate, your temperature, blood pressure, you know, everything that's going on on a second to second basis. And prior to probably like 50 years ago or something, we thought that you had no ability to control that system at all. Just as That's, short as 50 years ago? Maybe. Even, I'm not even sure okay. exactly, but it's like very pretty recently wow. that like we discovered that, oh, you actually have the ability to like control this nervous system. Right. That's why it's called autonom- like automatic because it's like we thought it was just running Just a on reaction its own. to its yeah. environment. Right. And then we started discovering these things, you know, meditation, yoga, breath work that would have an effect on it. So cool. Um, and most recently, uh, Andrew Huberman and his lab did a study that showed a specific type of breath work. It's called the physiological sigh. Okay. Um, yeah. Was the most effective way of activating that parasympathetic branch over like meditation and some other wow. traditional types of breathing that we had traditionally thought were m- much more powerful. So we're really like still in the trenches of learning about it. For sure. Very early yeah. stages. Yeah, I would cool. say. Is that sympathetic sigh some of what you do in yoga when they have you like do that deep? Nope. What? That when you're in yoga and they're like, all right. And everyone's like, ah. <laughs> No. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, physiological Physiological sigh. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And I think it's important to talk about, like, how disease can be rooted in this chronic stress on your nervous system. So even the healthiest person in the world um, could benefit from yeah. something yeah. like this. I mean, chronic stress is, like, the underlying mechanism to most chronic diseases. Right. Um, and just has a huge impact on your body, so. Crazy. Yeah. Now we know we have the autonomic nervous system, and within that, we have the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. All gas, no brakes, and one is brakes. 
Um, I know we grew up probably all gas and brake <laughs> system yeah, on high alert. Um, let's talk about what maybe four or three breathing exercises that we can do to rev ourselves up or take ourselves down. Yeah. You really have those two sides. So you have, um, when I look at breath work, like holistically, those are kind of the two different camps or like types of breathing you can do. Mm -hmm. One is mainly like hyperventilation, which is like very fast, rapid breathing. That's the gas pedal, right? All right. Um, People use this to help with kind of stress modulation or like nervous system adaptation, right? So if you can kind of bring yourself up to this like high level and then use other types of breath work to slow it down, your system, yeah, your your system gets used to kind of being in that high threat and then, okay, I'm safe, high threat. And like most people don't have that flexibility. So they can like, once you get in this high stress state, like people stay there. It's really hard to come. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can kind of, uh, start to play around with that and get more flexibility. I relate it to like maybe when you're driving home from work and you sit in your car for just a little extra time yeah, to try exactly. to like come out of that yeah. high stress environment. Yeah. So you have hyperventilation based routines um, for people familiar, like Wim Hof method. Like okay. that's what that is mainly. Um, and then you kind of have like slower, more relaxation based breathing, really popular one for that is physiological sigh. Now we know that's actually probably more effective than what used to be very popular, which is just a four, six breathing. So yeah, inhaling for four seconds and then exhaling for six seconds. And the way that people can think about this, like very easily, uh, if you're breathing like, you know, rapid, probably Mm -hmm. anything over like 12 to 14 breaths per minute you're kind of getting into that hyperventilation um and then if you're trying to breathe really slowly optimally around six breaths per minute that's kind of when you're at that per minute yeah six so you're essentially holding your breath for well so that would be if you're at six breaths per minute then you're following like a four second inhale and a six second exhale Okay. okay and if you're trying to relax you always want to try to have your exhale longer than your inhale. Okay. That's you're, a good um, keep pro tip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those those branches of the nervous system are kind of related to the inhale and exhale. Okay. Um, you can see this. It's really cool if you have uh, like a heart rate monitor or something. When you inhale, your heart rate, it's always going to increase. And then when you start to exhale, your heart rate comes back down. And that's why you want to hold it just a little So you can kind of, yeah, so you can kind of see the nervous system actually responding to your breath cycles in real time. Yeah. So those are the two main different or types of breath work you can do. And then within each one of those, there's obviously you can kind of just play around with different routines and stuff and um, find out what feels best for you. That's cool. Use that a lot when you're I know you're training for a big ultra marathon right now. Are you really being intentional about your breath through that to like break through probably, of course, the physical component of it, but probably really the mental component of it? Yeah. The biggest thing for me right now is because the distance is so long is trying to stay in that like zone two area. And the best way to do that is by if you can maintain nasal breathing the whole time, you're, you know, you're pretty confident that you're in that zone two. So that's like the biggest thing that I'm trying to focus on and just like uh, very smooth breaths in and out through my nose. And then um, another thing that's helped a lot is that physiological sigh. Like, So uh, can you give us an example of what that is? So it's is? basically like people can think of um, 
like if you're ever like crying or if you remember mm-hmm. when you were a kid when you were having like a temper tantrum like uh, it's yep. just natural like your body does it like after you're done crying you're like <sighs> and you like feel that kind of yeah. like wave that's that's a physiological sigh Very so what cool. it is like practically is a, it's a double inhale and then an exhale so it's kind of like a big inhale mm-hmm. and then like at the top another little one and then <sighs> and like let go yeah and just like kind of yeah. let everything go but it's very effective in getting rid of um, like side cramps. Like oh, people, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that's actually like a nerve issue. Okay. Um, it's so like a nerve spasm. Yeah. So it's like yeah. super effective that's at cool. kind of getting that relieved. So I'll, I'll use that sometimes. And then also just like if I'm noticing my breath get a little out of control or I feel like it's kind of on that edge of like me wanting to breathe through my mouth, I'll do the double inhale exhale for a couple minutes so i can just like really feel myself kind of relaxing back down yeah and you mentioned something about zone two so for anyone listening that might not you know be an ultra marathon runner and understand that can you explain what the zones are and how that could potentially apply yeah so most people typically well there's like five zones really the first three are uh, aerobic base so that's when your body's mainly burning fat as fuel okay and then the last two zone four and zone five are anaerobic so that's when you start to burn glycogen mainly okay. as your fuel source so like that would be more if you're like sprinting or like super Exercise. high intensity yeah. yeah and the problem with those zones is you only have a finite amount of glycogen in your system okay. so like you can only stay in those high level zones for a short amount of time before right. you have to refuel or like your body's just not capable of, of staying in those go. zones for yeah, long periods stop. of time. Yeah. Um, that zone two area is kind of like you can quote on, you know, hypothetically stay in that zone forever because your body's burning fat as and it's fuel. Like reproducing. Yeah. And you're not, yeah. you're not creating a lot of lactic acid in the muscles. Um, okay. So cool. Very cool. Okay, and now maybe some breathing, you know, technical things for getting started. So where in your body you're breathing. So I know you've helped me realize like I'm breathing into my shoulders Shoulders, or I'm breathing into my belly. So talk to us about what's happening when we're breathing into the different parts of our bodies. Yeah, there's really three things that people should think about. You have like the mechanics of your breath, the biochemistry, and then the respiration rate. So those are like the three main things. Mechanics is super easy. Um, For most people, they should be breathing in and out through their nose at all times, especially like at rest. Like there are times when high level, you know, intensity exercise when you're breathing, um, just because you're trying to get volume in, like volume of air. So in and out through the nose. And then, yeah, like you said, kind of activating the breath and the the lower part of the stomach. Okay. And really trying to focus on uh, what people call diaphragmatic breathing. Most people will find themselves probably to be more like upper chest dominant. Like when okay. they take a breath in, they'll kind of notice most of that air is up here. Right. We want to try to draw it down to the lower part of the stomach. Um why the, the lower one third of your lungs is where most of the blood gas exchange happens. Okay. So super important there. Also activates the parasympathetic nervous system through diaphragmatic breathing. Um, so that's that's really important. So important things to mention there. Just recap: 
breathe in and out through the nose. Okay. And then use your diaphragm or like lower belly to try to inhale and exhale to control that breath cycle. Very cool. Do you like walk around? You're like, oh, they're a mouth breather. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I hate that. Oh, they're a shoulder breather. (laughs) For sure. It's like you can notice it pretty, pretty well. Is that where um, (laughs) something like hostage tape came into play for trying to help people? Yep. So what's wrong with breathing through your mouth at night? It promotes like snoring, okay. like snoring and also uh, like sleep apnea. All that's right. what causes that. Which is you're kind of like depriving yourself of, of the, the right oxygen. amount of oxygen yeah, at night. Yeah. So you're never going to hit that like rest and recovery stage that you're everyone's trying to get. Yep, exactly. Cool. Yeah. So breathe through your nose and down into your belly. Yep. Yeah. And then um, when we go into like kind of the biochemistry aspect of it, the important thing is the volume of air that you're breathing in. So like literally just like how much air am I taking in when I breathe in and letting out when I breathe out. Most people never think of that. Yeah, that's definitely not a thought that's crossed my mind. But there's actually like a specific amount of volume that you should be taking in. Most people over breathe. So they're either breathing it's a combination of breathing too fast, like too many respirations right. per minute. And then also a lot of people think like they do this in yoga too, which kind of like pisses me off, but they'll take, you know, take a big breath in and a big breath out. Right. And it's like, well, if our body's at rest and we're not doing like high exertion, work, we don't yeah. need that much air huh. really. Um, so most people over breathe there. And what's the problem with over breathing? Like what does that trigger in your body when you... Yeah. You're typically just off-gassing too much CO2. Okay. Um, So CO2 is not just like a waste molecule. It's not like a gas that – well, most people think of CO2 as like bad, right? It's like like your breath when you breathe out. Yeah. But it plays a vital role inside your body. Yeah, very vital. It's what allows – our body to actually like break apart oxygen from blood in the in okay. your body and yep. allow your body to absorb oxygen in your working muscles and tissues. So the more CO2 you have in your system, the easier that process is okay. for your body. And so when you take a big breath in and a big breath out, you're kind of wasting some of that yep. conversion. Yeah. Yeah. And you're basically training your body to be less tolerant to higher levels of CO2. This is super important if you're like a free diver. Um, yeah. Like people will know what I'm talking about if they've, they're have they in that world because they have specific like breathing training programs right. designed to increase their CO2 tolerance. Which allows them to hold their breath longer and go to greater depths where they have the pressure yep. on their body. Yeah. 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 And most people think of like when you hold your breath, most people think they're running out of oxygen. That's why they want to breathe. Uh-huh. But that's, that's not, not true. It. Yeah. Like that's not it. You can actually hold like anyone could hold their breath probably for like three, four, five minutes because okay. they have enough oxygen in their system. Okay. It's so the, what's causing it? Yeah. As soon as you start to hold your breath, your CO2 levels start to rise because you're not ah, exhaling. So you're creating them. this like gas in your body. Yeah. So that has to go somewhere. Yeah. And again, most people's tolerance is very low so that becomes uncomfortable and that's what builds up that urge to breathe and that's why people want to take a breath in when they hold their breath yeah here we are thinking (laughs) and you can actively just train your body to be more adaptable to higher levels of co2 through um particularly like static apnea training so again they have like tables or you can just start to hold your breath and like you know week by week slowly increase that decrease your rest time between 
between sets and stuff like yeah. that. So just like training for like something in the gym. It's just okay. through You're breath just work. Training your yeah. breath. Pablo and I were on that course when we lived down in Miami. Josh and I are from Florida, so all water sports, including free diving, are what we grew up doing. But Pablo and I were doing the static breathing mm-hmm. exercises in our pool and trying to get ourselves in a place to be competitive in the Bahamas when we were fishing <laughs> with you. But I think you're going to beat us every time. Um, and you're about to do some free diving. Yeah, hopefully too. I'm going to go like get certified and do like a legit course. So you know? cool. So CO2, it's so funny because w- when you and I were first talking about CO2, I was thinking it's we're just plants and people are so similar because when Pablo and I were growing cannabis plants, monitoring the CO2 levels in the room throughout the day you know, as plants are waking up and Mm -hmm. then when they go into their night cycle, it's the same way we have to like feed plants, the same way we have to like feed our bodies, the same way we have to monitor our CO2 levels. Mm -hmm. We're just really complex versions of plants. Yeah. So CO2, another funny story is, I think I've told you this too, Remy is like hell bent on beating you at holding his breath (laughs) because in our family, he's like, Josh can hold his breath the longest. So every night in the bathtub, he is, you know, putting his goggles on and holding his breath underwater. And I have seen him over the last, like, two years of him obsessed with this. Like, he can hold his breath for a really long time now. And so he's been training this (laughs) in his body without me even knowing what's happening. So watch out, free divers. He's coming (laughs) (laughs) up on everyone's heels. So, okay, so now we understand that when we're holding our breath, it's not – the fact that we're running out of oxygen that's making us want to take a breath, it's actually the buildup of CO2 that's causing that urge to breathe. Mm-hmm. And then to, to release that, is it like, can you just let out a little bit of air at a time? Or is there a way to combat that besides It's just training. It's no, purely yeah, training. Yeah, so it's like a lot of free divers, they'll talk about these like involuntary muscle spasms they yep. have. It's just something that you have to train your body to like overcome. Cool. And most of it's mental, right? It's just yeah. like you're like, because CO2 kind of acts as like a stress molecule in the okay. body. So it like, we, we your body starts yeah we're going out. through like this fight or flight phase basically in real time because it's our body's way of saying like hey we need to breathe like you <laughs> help <know? laughs> um but again just like anything you can kind of train your body to be more adaptable to stress in those specific environments um, very cool and then the last thing is just the respiration rate yes so like if we got these three key things it's the mechanics it's the volume of air you're breathing and then it's how many breath cycles you're going through oh, on and minute. there's like some crazy number here that blows six my mind. yeah that's so, so six. crazy that feels like you'd be Qu- like <gasps> quite slow you know for 99 percent of people it's not like a number i would shoot for as like what i'm trying to do throughout the day okay by, on like a minute by minute basis right. but it's like if you're gonna sit down and like hey i'm gonna breathe for 10 i'm gonna do my breathing exercises for 10 minutes that should be That's the goal is for. like at you know six or below or if you're starting off like maybe it's eight or ten if it's like super uncomfortable yeah, yeah and then kind of slowly um wean yourself down but that's that's the number that's been heavily studied like in the academic space um, to promote parasympathetic activation as well as increase heart rate variability okay Um, so this is calming you down calming you down talk about heart rate variability too yeah so heart rate variability is basically the amount of time in between each heartbeat that you have it's variable right so it's 
it's not meant to be the same each time. Okay. It's actually the more variability there is, the healthier your nervous system is, the more Very adaptable cool. to stress your heart is and your cardiovascular system. Um, so there's, you know. That's really cool. I know I have you back on the show um, where we talk about some of the tools to measure things like that because – I know for a while, Josh and I would be sitting on the couch having these conversations. I'm like, well, how the fuck do I measure my <laughs> heart rate variability and then like be able to take that data and apply it? Yeah. So we talk about like whoop and tools yep. that bunch you of can cool like wearables and stuff um, now on the market that are pretty accurate, like clinical grade accuracy of that Very stuff. Cool. So yeah. it just gives you like that data set so that you can know better, do better. Yeah. Okay. So four six breathing. You're trying to get to six breaths in a minute mm -hmm. walk me through four six breathing yep so kind of maintaining those concepts we talked about right breathing in through the nose out through the nose activating the breath with the belly <laughs> and then yeah literally just inhaling for four seconds exhaling for six seconds there's going to be kind of like a slight pause on the ends okay, of those. So you hold for a second. yeah so there's like a natural pause that you're body is going to do anyways right, just right. let that happen some people okay. get like super dialed in where yeah. they're like oh it's four seconds it's like you're going to feel like where your body wants okay. to be naturally and that's probably like where you should go don't fight right. that okay. um you really just want to focus on kind of slowing everything down cool yeah i think the number that blew my mind was what you're supposed to breathe at when you're sleeping and then i got a whoop a few months ago because I was getting so into this and mm -hmm. I'm so far off from where that what is. What is your nightly respiration rate? I'd have to pull up my Whoop app, but <clears throat> what's the number that you told me it should be like 12? Like 12-ish, yeah. Like, I want to say it was like way more than that. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's pretty typical for okay. most people. Um, so how do you like yeah, so be better is, when you're sleeping? It's, it's hard. So it's like... And most... why is 12 important at night? Well, so it's not... 12 per se it's okay. just you want to be lower right that just means your body is in like a more relaxed state yeah. you're able to recover better you're probably getting quality deep sleep and REM right. sleep also if you think of it like as our bodies are like machines okay the the less work we do mm. the longer that machine is going to last right the, yep. the less repetitions like okay. everyone we probably all have like a finite amount of breaths we're going to take so if we can extend that by breathing less and slower right. like it's probably good Ooh, for that's our like longevity a very <laughs> complex thing to think about <laughs> um but yeah so anything over 18 respiration like your respiration rate if it's over 18 breaths mm. per minute is like from a clinical standpoint considered hyperventilation okay most people are breathing that fast all, day. all the time yeah even like maybe when they're sleeping or at like wow. just sitting on the couch i say mine was like 15 or 16 at night okay well context though i have a breastfeeding newborn, right so yeah. i don't know yeah. if i'm ever gonna go yeah. into rem right now for most people whatever your sleeping respiration rate like okay. it's hard to affect that because it's subconscious right, right. you're right. sleeping so like you have to do some serious work to During probably bring that down like a lot of cardiovascular exercise okay. a lot of like relaxation techniques before you go to bed right. at night um but it's like a process it's not something you're going to do and right. probably see like a vast improvement even like months it's probably like years Year. wow yeah. so you have to really be committed to to yeah. learning how to breathe yeah 
Yeah. yeah. It's just wild to me that we don't learn these things in school. Yeah. Um, it used to be very, like, prevalent, like, especially in the Native American cultures. There's yeah. some really cool, like, uh, books and stuff you can read where they were very locked into stuff like this, even okay. with, like, newborn babies. It like, was if, that yeah, they if, like, the mom yeah. saw the babies were starting to breathe out of their mouth, they would, like, lightly close their lips to yeah. promote, like, nasal breathing in babies I, and stuff. That's so. crazy. My. M- Frankie, um, her pediatrician was encouraging us because she noticed she was mouth breathing to like mm. subtly mm-hmm. like try to close her mouth by pushing here. Yeah. Something about helping her develop those muscles a little bit more. Probably, yeah. You know, again, from like a biomechanical standpoint, your body is a machine your nose was designed to breathe. Like that, right. that's its whole purpose and yeah. on the body. And so like there's a lot of stuff that goes on when you breathe through your nose. Like, right. you know, it's capturing a lot of like contaminants in the air. Filtering it's it. Filtering it. It's uh, humidifying it. It's warming up the air before it reaches your lungs. You create a ton of uh, nitric oxide in the nasal passages, the which nose is nose. a vasodilator <laughs> yeah. to promote, you know, air so cool. and, and blood flow. So there's just like so many things. And like, when you start to breathe through your mouth, it wasn't designed for that. It's not doing any of those things your nose was designed yeah. to do. So, so is there ever an application for mouth breathing? Yeah, like okay. high intensity exercise, to, like 100 like... meter sprints or, you know, all out effort in like a CrossFit workout or something like that. But the time duration of that should be like minutes, like, you know, right, 10 minutes, day. 15 minutes, maybe. But most of the time, yeah, it's not really applicable. Cool breathing is there any other concept that we need to know about as we like go and practice are there any starting points you would recommend for someone i just think i think four six breathing is the easiest place to start i think uh lying down prone on your back is the best position for people to start trying these things especially when if you have difficulty like doing the lower belly region um when you lie down, you kind of have that hard surface on your back. So it's like a little easier to feel it okay. if you're doing it you right or not. Your hand on your, yeah, you can yeah. put, uh, there's like a high-low technique where you put one hand on your heart and one hand like right over your belly button. Cool. And just focus on, you know, only allowing that bottom hand. You should really feel movement. That's okay, a really so like easy keep one. this one still. Yeah. Okay, um, I want everyone after this episode to lay down <laughs> and try to feel where in their body they're breathing. Yeah. Because it's it's profound when yeah. you start realizing yeah. like all these subtle tweaks that you could make. The coolest part, and I think why like breath work is in this like renaissance phase right now, is unlike meditation and some other things of like other types of relaxed relaxation techniques is you can feel a real-time difference like right away like within like a minute you know when you when you do some of this stuff whereas like I'm a huge fan of meditation but like it takes people months sometimes years years to like kind of have like breakthroughs or whatever so this is like a technique that again you can do just for a couple minutes in between meetings or whatever right and actually notice a difference in how you feel um and then like as you get more advanced like you can play around there's a lot of different cool like alternate nostril breathing techniques where your nostrils are actually tied to that autonomic nervous system so if i'm breathing just through my left nostril and plugging my right nostril i'm really activating the parasympathetic side of the nervous system and then 
uh, opposite. If you're breathing through your right nostril, the sympathetic side is getting more activated. Is it always that way? It's always that okay. way. And you're so it's one, it's a good way to kind of like see where you are in real time. But take it with a grain of salt because your body naturally goes through these different cycles, cycles. throughout the day. Um, but like, again, if you're like, you know, kind of just like, oh, I'm feeling like a little stressed out, like right. you can just kind of test it and see like, oh, yeah, my, you know, right nostril is like way more open than my left right now. Let me like plug that and really focus on doing some parasympathetic activation. That's so cool. Yeah. The nose knows. The nose knows. <laughs> <laughs> so you could literally just kind of check in with yourself throughout the day yeah. and then i know my therapist has us do like like two breaths in one breath out yeah. to try to like tap into a calmer yeah i'm always trying to like tap into yeah. a calmer state of mind but that's so cool yeah. that your nervous system is connected to your nostrils mm -hmm. wild mm -hmm. big takeaway there <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for talking to us about breath work we'll provide some resources um, in the show notes for anyone that's looking for like, you know, Breathwork 101 exercises mm -hmm. to kind of watch someone do and tap into it. Yeah. And I'm excited to kind of continue the conversation around like data and using the data to drive some habit around how you breathe throughout the day. So thank you for coming and taking the conversation of Breathwork a little higher with us today, Josh. Yeah, thanks Devin for having me. Oh,